0: Information shared on the following program is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute legal, tax, investment, or other advice, nor is it intended to recommend any particular investments, products, or financial instruments. Always seek advice from your financial advisor, attorney, or accountant with regard to investment, legal, or tax
1: questions. Welcome, folks, to another fun-filled edition of Who Wants to Retire Worry-Free? And now your host of our show, America's Money Missionary, Tony Walker. Hey folks, and welcome to Who Wants to Retire Worry Free. I'm your host, Tony Walker, and today's contestants are Aaron, Gina, and Derek. Okay, folks, we got a tough question for you. You need to solve this puzzle. What does this acronym mean? P, T, S, Y, and M. Aaron, take a stab at it. Pass the sauce, you moron. Uh, no, Aaron. Gina, how about you? Do you know what P-T-S-Y-M means? Please, Tony,
2: send yacht money.
1: No, it's always about boats, Gina. And now, Derek, you've got to have this answer. Come on, buddy, this is for a 1,000 milkshakes. Let her rip. (laughs) Ooh, that's not it either. Well, guess what? I've got the answer. Welcome to the only show in the country dedicated to helping savers worry less about money, The Worry-Free Retirement, with your host, nationally recognized retirement specialist and four-time author, Tony Walker. Welcome, folks, to The Worry-Free Retirement. And yes, I am that little man in the sweater vest. No, I'm not really a game show host. Tony Walker, and boy, do we have a good show for you today. Um, Actually, in the Louisville studios as we record this show on October 20th, 2021, is my favorite son-in-law and fellow fiduciary, Trey Juergens. Good morning, Trey. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, Myself, Aaron Orender, uh, Derek Hudson, and our new Mary Beth Combs, we just got through recording a cool TV show on the same topic we're going to talk about.
2: You're going to love it. Busy studio this morning.
1: Oh yeah, very busy. Well, it's on acronyms, and I want to throw this acronym out, folks. Uh, and you heard it on the on the intro. It's PTSYM. And before I give you the answer to that, Trey, I think that's why I wanted you in the studio. I mean, as you get more and more accustomed to meeting a lot of our clients and even prospective clients, um, I think this whole acronym thing has kind of shaken the financial world. How many? Did you do some research? How many acronyms
2: do we use? entirely in the financial world. Is there even a head count on them? There's hundreds in the whole financial industry, but what I was really interested to look at are the acronyms that go along with credentials.
1: Okay, credentials, gotcha.
2: That's kinda how financial advisors set themselves apart from their competitors, which they might all be called financial advisors or wealth coaches or whatever they wanna call themselves, but then they put those initials next to their name And they make themselves feel a lot more important than they might be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, can I tell you a story on that? That is funny because, and I really appreciate it. My father-in-law was big on credentials and designations, we'll call them. So back when I first got in the business in 1984, he said, Tony, I was getting more and more interested in estate planning and life insurance. I know you're taking these exams currently. But he said, you need your CLU. And see, here I am. I'm thinking, CLU, what does that even stand for? He said, well, that's Chartered Life Underwriter. And that is, now this was in the 80s that's the coup de Gras. That is the designation that most people, even attorneys back then, felt like if you had that designation, you knew something. So I studied and studied and studied. And I got it, I think it was 80, 88, 1988, but at that time, I remember going down to the Opera Land Hotel. They had the big awards ceremony nationally. I was like, all these guys were a lot older. They said, you're one of the youngest that's ever gotten it done. So I was real excited. I charged back to Bowling Green at the time. I started telling everybody about it. Guess what the typical response was when I told people I had my CLU? What's that? (laughs) Yeah, what's that? And then secondly, I think in their eyes they were going, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I remember I studied under Brian Tracy. He used to say that. He said, every time you're trying to talk to somebody about an important subject you think they ought to know about, there's a good possibility that 90% of the time they're not telling you this, but they're thinking, who cares? Yeah. So folks, if that's you, you might be thinking a lot of this information, a lot of these acronyms. By the way, an acronym, I I looked that up. I know what an acronym is, but I couldn't define it. Webster's Dictionary defines an acronym as a word formed from the initial letter or letters of each of the successive parts or major parts of a compound term. So folks, if you're sitting there right now going, I don't even know what an acronym is. Like, for instance, NASA. That stands for National Aeronautics and Space Administration, another ASAP, you know, as soon as possible. So that's what we're talking about, folks. But uh, So back to the acronyms we have for credentials. Did you look up how many there are? Yeah. In a
2: quick 10-minute Google, uh, found about 12 different ones. So CFP, CPA, CFA, CLU, CHFC, R I they're, they're on and on and on. So it's you're probably saying, okay, finish up ASAP. But.
1: <laughs> well, and again, folks, we're not belittling this. I've matriculated through the CLU and CFP. We don't mean that at all, but the point is, we've got one of the most exciting acronyms I think I've ever stumbled across. So let me set the stage. And by the way, we're gonna get into the live well, die broke philosophy through an interview I did last year that's really awesome. We've drugged that back out of the archives. But so set the stage. You've heard this story, Trey, but it's worth repeating. So I'm in the Lexington office. This has been several weeks ago. Wes, my favorite nephew and fellow fiduciary, is sitting there. A gentleman was in there for his second appointment going through the assessment. And I noticed him just kind of looking real funny at it. And at the time I went, I don't know if this guy's digging this or if this thing's off kilter. And he looked up and he goes, so what you're saying is, I got permission to spend my money? And I thought, I never heard it that way, and I said, well, I guess when you put it that way, and he kind of looked, he goes, you know what, you're the first person, I've met with a lot of advisors, Tony, that's ever given me permission to spend my own money. And I looked at Wes, and I said, oh boy, I got a good acronym. So the acronym is Permission to Spend Your Own Money, P-T-S-Y-M. So folks, if you're sitting there going, okay, what does that have to really do with my 401k, and why the financial world never wants me to spend my money, when we come back, I'm going to tell you exactly why the financial world does not want you spending this money. And once you learn the secret behind this, you're going to enjoy this money a whole lot more, and you're going to start living the philosophy of live well, die broke. I'm Tony Walker, along with Trey Jurgens. We'll be right back.
2: Win or lose, games are a blast, but playing around with your retirement is serious business. So don't leave your retirement to chance get a retirement game plan from well-known retirement specialist Tony Walker learn how to be worry-free in retirement with a safe and simple game plan that includes mailbox money for life to meet in person with Tony log on to Tony Walker financial dot com that's Tony dot
1: com warning a licensed insurance agent with no prior knowledge of annuities can legally toss your 401k into an annuity don't make that mistake. Log on now to TonyWalkerFinancial.com before ever purchasing an annuity. Welcome back to the Worry-Free Retirement. I'm Tony Walker, and we're talking about this concept, this new acronym that we created here at Tony Walker Financial, permission to spend your own money. Uh, Trey, I had a conversation the other day. Of course, I meet with a lot of people, 20 to 30 people a week. And many of those are clients. Have you noticed how so many client reviews I've had lately? We have had a lot lately. No, a bunch, but that's fine. We love it. Um, but anyway, a young lady came in. She had just turned 74. And I said, I noticed in her file, her husband, I said, where's your husband? You know, and I, I didn't know. Him. Maybe he died. I didn't know. And she goes, oh, he's at home. And I said, not interested in coming in. I hadn't seen him in a while. Well, to be honest, he's down in his back. And I mean, really down in his back. In fact, he's so down in his back, he is disabled now, doctors will not operate on him again, he's getting kind of depressed, and he's pretty much stays at home. And I said, oh, uh, well, how's your money? She goes, oh, money's fine, we got plenty of money. And I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, not a lot, I mean, I have to take care of him. And I said, you realize we got this mailbox money we haven't even deployed? She goes, well, how much would that be? And I said, well, if we started your mailbox money, it's set up to pay $26,000 a year for the rest of your life. And she said, honey, what am I gonna do with that money? Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about it, and we were kinda, you could tell the conversation was, you've waited too long, and I think she realized it. Does that make sense? Yeah. She waited too long to spend her money. And you meet with a lot of people,
2: Trey, you've probably had some similar instances even of, of late, haven't you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is flipping that switch from saving to spending. People get into retirement, they understand that they've got their life savings to live on, Longer they can wait to not spend any of it, the better. But the problem is that, like like those clients you just mentioned, sometimes they wait too late and they can't enjoy any of it. So, what we've been doing lately with our proprietary income software is showing more income on the front end. And Mm -hmm. some clients will say, Whoa, 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 I'm not going to spend that. But when you can show them that they're not going to run out of money, They can really see how to use and enjoy it on the front end
1: that's a great point and then they can do more traveling or gifting to kids and grandkids it's a wonderful thing this proprietary software if you want to take a look at it folks we'll tell you about that at the very end of the show now real quickly before we get into this interview opm other people's money so what is the deal with opm opm and i cover this in my book don't follow the herd is the phenomenon of the financial world acting a whole lot like Dracula. (laughs) You know, I studied under a guy named Bob Castellone. He was talking about OPM or other people's money, and I could tell everybody was like, what do you mean by that? It was a great analogy. He said, well, you know, Dracula, right? What did Dracula need to survive on? And everybody said, blood, blood, yeah. Well without it, what would happen? Everybody went, well, of course he would die. And he said, you got to think of the financial world the same way. They have to have other people's money and they got to have it regularly and they got to hold on to it. (laughs) Without it, they die. So folks, the problem is you're going out here and trying to get consultations. Now, not everybody's like this, but for the most part, the financial world does not care about your trials and tribulations. They're not there to be your counselor, they're not there to be your friend, and they sure aren't there to show you how to spend and then use more of your money because that affects them. Think about it, real quick example. Let's say you have a half million dollars and an advisor's charging 1%, that's $5,000 a year in fees, not a bad payday, right? Not too bad. Okay. Natural tendency, if you call that advisor, and let's say you want to pay off your home and you need $200,000, okay? Forget whether that's a good decision. That's not what we're talking about. I can assure you that advisor is probably thinking, wait a minute, if they take 200000 that's 1%. Of, that's going to cost me $2,000 a year in fees that I'm missing out on. Or at least the financial world thinks that way. So folks, a lot of times when you approach these people and you have these ideas to pay off debt or travel more or give to kids, They don't really like that because it affects their bottom line. That's not what we're all about at Tony Walker Financial. Our job is to help you recognize that you're not going to be here forever. Life's short. You need to enjoy this money while you still can and while you and your partner are still healthy. Now, with that said, when I wrote Live Well, Die Broke, we were able to get on some podcasts. And on this particular podcast, this was a cool thing. Her, Her name is Mary Eileen Williams. Really cool lady. I would love to meet her in person. I've never met her. But she's in charge of a website, and I would encourage you folks, after you uh, listen to this interview with uh, Miss Williams, to go check it out. It's called The Feisty Side of 50. I guess it's .com, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's got some great interviews, but it's, it's for people, baby boomers. So anyway... What happened was, Miss Williams, she read the book. I appreciate that. I've been interviewed by a lot of people, Trey, and you can tell immediately they've not read that book. (laughs) The questions are not related because they're thinking, I'm your typical advisor. They ask the same old questions. Well, she had read it. And, uh, we, and you'll catch the tenor if you listen to this, folks. In fact, Trey, I think you've got it on the website, don't you? How can they listen to this interview if they want to listen to it again? We're going to play it for you in just a second in its entirety, but how can they go back or have somebody else listen to it?
2: Yeah, if you go to TonyWalkerFinancial.com, there on the homepage, scroll down just a little bit, you'll see a picture of the Feisty Side of 50 and then we'll have a link to listen to that on her website.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So again, we're going to break now to Miss Williams and the interview she did last year with myself on the book, Live Well, Die Broke. And I think when you listen to this interview, you're going to realize how important it is to spend your money while you still can. I hope you enjoy it.
0: I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older, and embracing life is just what today's show is all about. Our guest, Tony Walker, is a retirement expert, financial advisor, and best-selling author. He believes that rather than saving our money to give to our children after we pass away, we should help them out now while we're around to enjoy the results. And also, sharing the wealth is a great way to create memories that our children and grandchildren would treasure for years long after we're gone. So to these ends, Tony has written a lively fun, Uh, yes, a book on finance is fun, (laughs) and down-to-earth book that shares his philosophy around money, retirement, and the real ways to enjoy life. It's called Live Well, Die Broke, and Tony's here to tell us all about it. So welcome, Tony.
3: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I want to start out by saying the title is the best ever. Live well, die broke, <laughs> kind of says it all. <laughs> but as I said, not only do you deliver really solid advice, but reading it's personal stories. It's fun. It's engaging. So, congratulations on the book.
3: Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a. Uh... This is my uh, fourth published book. I've written several other books that were unpublished. I I do enjoy writing, but I remind people I am a full-time retirement planning specialist. I just uh, uh, enjoyed and uh, uh, finished my 36th year, and I look forward to many more years of working with people. So part of this book, too, Eileen, is really just uh, my wisdom that I've gained from meeting with so many people who have been so willing to share their life with me and helping them in their retirement. And uh, it's just something I've noticed over the years that as people get older, uh, unfortunately, I think some of them are waiting much too long to enjoy their money. And that's what kind of made me write this book. And then I also reflected a lot of my granddad who after working with the same company uh, for 43 years in 1978 retired and how different retirement planning is now versus it was back then but in some ways, I kind of harken back to his days and reflect on how he retired. And uh, we're trying to kind of emulate that a little bit. I think it was a lot more worry-free the way he retired than the way maybe us baby boomers are are looking at it right now.
0: Well, one of the things about your grandfather, uh, uh, he, like you, must have had a way with words because he got that regular retirement check he called mailbox money. <laughs>
3: That's right. Yeah, when I, my parents divorced at a young age, Eileen, in 1970. I grew up in, I've been a resident in Kentucky all my life, but he had moved to a small town just outside Lexington, Kentucky. It was called Troy, Kentucky. But my Uncle Eddie, who lived there, referred to it as the land of do as you please. And uh, I had more fun spending. Yeah, it was just a fun place. You know, back in the 70s, I loved going down there. It was a very simple place. You know, Aww. my granddad worked and drove back and forth, and they stayed home. They didn't go on trips, uh, he and his wife, Hazel. And uh, just, just kind of learned a lot looking back from the standpoint of, I remember when he retired, I was only 18. So I really didn't even understand the notion of when he came home and basically said, I'm retiring. And after that, he would you know go out monthly to his mailbox, get his Social Security check, his pension check from Bell South. And uh, when he died, eventually, basically, other than a small house in Troy that was left, he died broke. All of that stopped. And I look back at that, but he never worried about money. He never had to plan for money. Uh, he didn't spend more than what came through the front door. And, uh, you know, his, his daughter, my mom, and his uh, son, Uncle Eddie, were fine with that. And, you know, I'm afraid, you know, we've put so much emphasis on money, and now we have to rely on these 401Ks that nobody really understands. And many people are putting probably too much money at risk, and they don't have a game plan to use and enjoy the money. And that's where we're trying to change the paradigm a little bit and and have been very successful with our clients in helping them, you know, as I say, use and enjoy this money while you still can.
0: I think that's such a wonderful philosophy. The thing you, you're talking about, you know, again, you harken back to your grandfather and, and some of these lessons maybe that the boomers grew up with, but, you know, that stability. You were st- stable in your job. When you retired, you were going to get a, you know, rich mailbox money. So life was a lot more stable. It was a lot more prescribed. I mean, we have freedom, et cetera. <laughs> but uh, the other thing you bring out in your book that I thought was really, I never thought about it, but you were saying that baby boomers are actually the first generation that have kind of expected perhaps to receive some sort of an inheritance. I never thought about that, but our parents and our grandparents didn't necessarily do it. So money has been, it's a bigger question for us.
3: No, you're right. It's, uh, you know, we think about, so my mom, let's go back to that. So when my granddad passed away, finally, he had that little house in Troy and that was the only asset they had, You know, again, the pension died with granddad. The Social Security died with granddad and Hazel. They didn't have a lot of savings because they didn't really need any money. You know, they they didn't have a 401K buried with taxes within it. I call that the the tax tumor. Uh, A lot of people right now even look at at their 401K statements and all that. I have to remind people, folks, that money, not all that money is yours. The government's going to be first in line when you go to drag that money out. Uh, the inheritances, like you said, uh, many people are starting to receive large inheritance that either, one, they don't know what to do with, or number two, some of those have taxes laden within them. So, yeah, the baby boomers, us, as we retire, it's a whole different world, and as you said, quite frankly, unfortunately, it's not quite as secure and predictable as the retirement world that my granddad enjoyed.
0: Well, and again, that old song—you know, for freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Again, we, we've got a lot to lose, <laughs> but we do have freedom. And I thought one of the one of the messages I took from your book is you read a lot about defining what our own mission is, and we need to determine what gives us joy. Because money, if we look at it as a means to fulfill our lives and those we love, you can switch that thinking, and it's it's not something you have to hoard.
3: That's right, and unfortunately, and most people, I I, I tend to work with what I call the saver personality, kind of like my granddad. So admittedly, um, quite frankly, I don't think most people really understand money in general, if they're honest with themselves. You know, if we hooked up random 100 people to lie detector tests and started asking them sophisticated questions about investments and money, probably most of them would, would fail the test. So once we realize that most people don't really understand money, that they've relied too much on the financial world to control the narrative. What happens is the financial world, it's like letting the fox in the henhouse. They don't want you to use this money because it negatively impacts them. Uh, you know, when you think about it, right now the financial world has gone to a fee methodology of how they make money. So let's say you have $200,000 with them and they're charging 1% in fees a year. Well, that's $2,000 a year for them, whether they do anything or not. So granted, they're not going to tell you to start using and enjoy this money because you hate to say this. It will affect their fees. So again, granddad didn't have to make these decisions. So I'm one of those that says, no, wait a minute. Uh, You're not going to live forever. Health is going to get the best of you. There's going to be a point in time where you may not even feel like spending this money. That's another narrative that I really have realized is incorrect, Uh, Eileen, is most people, as they get older, uh, uh, barring a health catastrophe or something, but most of my clients, as they age, begin to spend less and less money. So what they're doing is they're hoarding money for the wrong time of their life. (laughs) I mean, it, it makes no sense whatsoever, but again, I think that's because... They didn't know what to do with the money. They don't understand it. They're afraid to spend it. Uh, they're worried about running out of money. And then the you know the financial world puts the fear of you know what in them, and just everybody gets complacent, and then eventually they die. And yeah, maybe they have a boatload of money, but so what? You know the Bible talks about then you leave it to somebody that you don't even know how they're going to handle it. So it really becomes a a losing strategy in terms of using and enjoying your money while you still can.
0: Well, you just referred to the Bible and a few things. So tell us about. The guilt trip gospel.
3: <laughs> well, and I think, uh, yeah, you know what I've found over the years, Allie, if I'm not saying I'm the sharpest tool in the shed, but I think the thing that makes me a little, I get a little aggravated, and it happens in the financial world. I think sometimes it happens from the pulpit. I think what everybody needs to do is chill out a little bit and quit telling everybody what to do with their money. And I think what happens is we make this money, even if you make a lot of money, you know, I've I've been poor and I've I've had money. I'm kind of like the great uh, theologian Charles Spurgeon who once said, you know, everybody worries about money. Those who have it worry with it, those who have none worry without it. And I, so I've been in both of those spots and granted I'd rather have money than not have it, but I think I've grown weary of everybody telling everybody what to do with their money. Uh, First of all, it's nobody's business. Second of all, we all have different wants and needs and goals and family circumstances. And so what I've told people is, hey, look, it's okay to get advice from others and read up on things and buy books like my book or whatever you want to do. But in the end, you have to be at peace with what you want to do with your money and don't let people put you on what I call the guilt trip gospel. It's, uh, It's not healthy at all to do that.
0: Well, I, I mean, again, uh, this solid advice delivered with such a great way with words. I mean, you obviously have the gift of uh, of being able to express those thoughts in ways we, we could really enjoy hearing them. So uh, another thing that you brought up in the book that I want to make sure we know is that should we decide to share our money with our children, which I think is so important if you can, because uh, they don't necessarily need it uh, You know, when you pass away and they're in their 50s or 60s. But they need it now when the grandchildren are young and the kids need to, you know, when they can go back to Boy Scouts or Brownies or something, they need the uniforms or they can go to camp or things like that. So I think that I I really got behind that. I thought that was great. And you say, though, if you do share money with your children, it is not our business to tell them what to do with it either.
3: Yeah, that's right, because I think people worry about that. They worry, well, what's going to happen when I leave money to my kids? Or what if my son divorces the, you know, my daughter-in-law? And, and I say, well, those problems could exist regardless whether you give it to them now or if you croak and leave them a big bu- bunch of money. What I'd rather do is give it to them now and kind of watch how they handle the money. And, again, I've been fortunate ah. enough that I've got a little bit of money. So, for instance, um, I'm helping uh, my daughter and son-in-law um, with a house, now, we're financing the house, and we're you know, making a decent deal, and we've given them some money. And through the gift tax laws, it's so, it's so important to understand, folks that are listening, the, the tax laws, which are set to expire in 2026, and my prediction is we'll go through the roof. Through the gift tax laws, it's so favorable now to take a lot of the tax hits now for us baby boomers before they go up. And you can give this money away tax-free to your kids. So it makes no sense to eventually die. We don't know what the tax rates are going to be in the future. The tax tumor passes on to the kids. You know, my wife is an oncology nurse. And I said, Susan, I know it's bad that people die of cancer, but at least when they die, the tumor dies with them. With the way the 401ks are set up, when these people die, the tax tumor and all these taxes just gets passed off to the kids. So none of that makes sense. So I would rather watch them use and enjoy it. I think it's more favorable tax-wise. And then, like right now, I get to go visit them at their house that we've helped them with and enjoy our grandchildren that get to enjoy the fruits of our labor. It's just a wonderful thing and a wonderful blessing.
0: Well, and that, and then, too, when things change and we can go on vacations – How nice to be able to finance, say, like a family vacation that, you know, the children and grandchildren are really going to enjoy and talk about, you know, long after we're gone. So these are all wonderful ways to use money. And at the very end, you have three main buckets as part of the financial game plan. Of course, we only have a minute or two left, but just if you don't mind giving us a brief overview of the three main buckets we need to consider.
3: Yes, you should always keep money, some money liquid. (coughs) Liquid means that you could get your hands on it at any time in a moment's notice without a lot of penalty. And then you need a bucket with what I call mailbox money, and we help people with all that all the time. So that bucket is there to emulate that guaranteed lifetime income that you can never outlive. And then finally, you can, if you want to create one, a legacy bucket, bucket. And I've done that as well. So I have limited partnerships set up that my kids will inherit some of this money with favorable taxes. And I'm a big believer in life insurance because it's the only guaranteed asset that you can live tax-free to your kids because I do have concerns that that next generation, based on our economy and a lot of concerns I have 20, 30 years from now, may not enjoy the inheritance we're getting now. So I want to make sure I leave them something on a tax-free basis after I'm dead and gone.
0: Wow. Well, Tony, thank you for this. I wanted to let everybody know, in addition to this book, you have a fabulous website. I've checked it out. It's great. So where can our listeners go to find out more about you, the services you provide, uh, and perhaps even grab their own copy of Live Well, Die Broke?
3: (laughs) Absolutely. It's My name, of course, is Tony Walker, so the website is TonyWalkerFinancial.com. And we have a weekly TV show called The Worry Free Retirement. We're on in about seven stations in Kentucky on major networks. So I do a new TV show. And they can check that out at our YouTube channel at TonyWalkerFinancial.com wow. if they'd like to watch past episodes of the TV show, The Worry Free Retirement.
0: Well, I'm going to be doing that as soon as we get up. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, well thank Tony, you. this has been such a delight. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience?
3: No, I say just live well, die broke. And as my mother, who does not have a lot of money but buys really expensive bacon, I'll summarize this with one of our chapter headings, Life is Too Short to Eat Cheap Bacon. Don't ever forget that.
0: Well, that on that inspirational note, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to leave it. But, boy, this has been a wonderful experience for me, and thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on how we can use money to enjoy life, uh, really enjoy life, and also make wonderful memories for our children and grandchildren.
3: You're so welcome, Ali.
0: Well, and please, I urge everyone out there, I am going to check out Tony's uh, YouTube channel, but I'm sure we can find links on his website. Again, that's TonyWalkerFinancial.com. And check out his various other books. You're going to find a lot of information, financial advice, and again, delivered with that wonderful sense of humor that I appreciate very much. So go out there and show the world just how feisty and financially fit a woman over 50 can be. This is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50. 50 radio, and I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Well, folks, we hope you've enjoyed the interview and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. You be worry free.